0: Empire.
1: Hello, and welcome to my podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcasts, and you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Go to Empire Media, that's A M P I R E. Hit that subscribe button, and it will be much appreciated. Today, I'm joined by Nikki Javala of the Washington Post as we discuss the NFL League meetings, what was said by Ron Rivera, even Frank Reich, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, and more. We dive more into the Carson Wentz impact, the message Rivera wanted to impart about being tired of the easy attacks in the franchise, and Chase Young's intention to be here for offseason workouts. Plenty, plenty more. Originally, we actually taped this from Florida, but we had a little bit of a sound issue. So Nikki was kind enough to join us again. That's why originally I would tell you, I'm joining you from sunny Florida. Well, now I'm joining you from sunny Berryville, Virginia. We left really sunny Florida. Anyway, you can follow Nikki on Twitter at Nikki Jabvala, N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A. And you can read her work on WashingtonPost.com. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a couple stories up. From the league meetings with Frank Reich saying Carson Wentz can be a top 10 quarterback. And with Ron Rivera saying how he's tired again of being an easy attack. A coach who is sticking up for his football side. I will stress, he understands the gravity of the other situations, but he's talking about for his players and his staff. They didn't have anything to do with the past. For them, they're here about football. And I know other people, are. it's going to be hard for other people to separate it. But that's what he's trying to do. Right or wrong, fair or not, that's what his strategy is. Or that's what his desire is. Anyway, I don't have a lot to add, because Nikki and I talked for a while about a lot of different topics. So let's get to my conversation with Nikki Javala from the Washington Post.
0: College basketball fans join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $250 in free bets if they do. It is that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers, then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KIME, K E I M. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $250 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code KIME this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and over, restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
1: All right, Nikki, well, this feels a little bit like deja vu. This entire conversation we're going to have will feel like that because. For people listening, we actually had it on Tuesday in Palm Beach at the Breakers, and then there was a technical or some issue with the sound, so we're recording again, so Nikki, I appreciate your patience and willingness to come back on, and my son, for those watching on YouTube, will put up a picture to show that we were actually at the Breakers, and it was nice weather.
2: And, with and palm trees show. and waterfalls and everything, yes, it was great. It, 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 was, it was awesome,
1: and dolphins jumping in the background and everything, so uh, <laughs> not really, but you know, we can dream. But, anyways, thank you for coming back on. And we want I wanted to talk about what Ron Rivera talked about at the breakfast yesterday. And then also we can we one thing we didn't get to do is talk about Roger Goodell that happened after we recorded. Now we can talk about that. But let's start with Ron Rivera and just some of the things he talked about. Let's start. We'll start with Carson Wentz. Or first of all, let me just ask this your big takeaway from our 45 minute interview with Ron Rivera yesterday.
2: Yeah, I mean I, I thought he's a lot of it was kind of repeating what he, what he said when he, you know, they, they traded for Wentz that they really feel like this, he can be a solution at at quarterback, Um, which I, I think when the trade was made, it was kind of viewed as, Oh, maybe it's a bridge guy, a very expensive bridge guy. And he has a contract that, you know, is, is pretty pricey this year, especially with the cap hit, but doesn't have any, guaranteed salary left so they could move on after one year if it doesn't work out and then they could get a rookie, blah, blah, blah. But Rana said from the beginning, then he feels like Carson Wentz could really be, you know, a, a longer term fit here. Um, and he went into depth more at the owners meetings, talking about how he fits the offense, how, um, you know, talking about his, his ability to make those deep throws, his Um, the quick game and just being able to open things up in Scott Turner's system, which is something they've, they've kind of struggled to do, Right. Um, which, you know, when you're, when you're cycling through so many quarterbacks, that's going to be a struggle Mm -hmm. no matter what, but he has the physical traits um, and he's, he has been successful even at points last season with the Colts and in, in 19 and especially in 2017 that they can point to and be like, look at this guy, He's a quality player. It's, you know, how do you get past some of the other things that led to him getting benched and then traded from Philly and then traded from India again. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting to hear him go more in depth on, on how they um, viewed him as a fit in the scheme.
1: And, and to your point on that, I think it's pretty It's – they're not going to draft a quarterback at 11. I think that's right. that's been a big takeaway over the last couple of weeks, but it was like it was more clear – From, I mean, I think it's a mistake,
2: but but they didn't ask my opinion.
1: You think that's a mistake?
2: I do. I do. Because I, you have the floor. I, they have not found their quarterback yet. And I'm of the mind that until you find that guy, you keep getting guys. You know, they, they didn't take a quarterback in the first round last year, they didn't take one in, in 2020, and they needed one. And they probably should have taken one in hindsight. You know, Chase Young is a very good player, and everything is 2020 in hindsight. And everybody seemed to overlook Justin Herbert and what he could be. So I'm not knocking them there. Um, And they had to give Dwayne Haskins a chance. There were a lot of circumstances there. But until you find that guy, I'm of the mind that you got to keep trying. Um, I agree with
1: that. I think what it also suggests, though, is this aggressiveness to getting quarterbacks is an indication of how people view this class. And so, like, that's where I would say, too, like, if you think a guy is going to be there at 11, I think 11 is a tough spot anyway. But if you... If you really liked a guy, you know, you don't have to go up too far to probably get one of these two because, you know, you have to get you don't have to get in the top five. You know, you you know, you know what I mean? So I think I think right. this is an indication of what people think about this class. Would you agree?
2: And Yes. And if that's the case, why would you use a pick on, you know, a, a quarterback that's ranked even farther down as your third guy and prop him up as a guy that can play in four years? Um you know if you if you find that diamond in the rough so to speak that's great um but unless you really feel strongly that this guy can develop in 4 years and and be a starter in the NFL build your team for now that's my thinking maybe that's off
1: right and i think that's i think i would agree i think he did say like uh, they do want to take another quarterback if they can find one
2: mm-hmm. as
1: maybe even more of a possible future backup you know, mm-hmm. a guy who can be a third quarterback this year. So whenever they get that guy, who knows? And it, you know, I think after the first round, you can start looking at that. Um, I also think that you look at this and this is clearly an indication that they clearly think Carson Wentz will be their guy for at least a couple of years. So, mm-hmm. and then at that point, you know, and this goes to some other comments that Rivera said, but maybe you make it a different place. If you can have a couple 10 win seasons and because of what Wentz has done, Maybe mm-hmm. that can help get something else down the road. I don't know. Maybe it makes you be more aggressive. If you want a guy in the draft in a couple of years, you don't have to do it now. It gives you that freedom to move on to something else if you want. But I also find it interesting too, and going back to your comment about it's not just the deep ball where they like Carson Wentz. It is a lot of the underneath stuff. It's the quick game. It's the, those shallow crossers. And it's a big deal because like Wentz can see over the line. I mean, it's,
2: right. It's right.
1: Taylor Heineke's shorter. He doesn't have the same arm, doesn't have the same vision. And like you talk to people about like a Drew Brees or Russell Wilson, well, they're short too, but they're really good at finding ways to create vision for themselves. Not everybody can do that. They can, and it's why it works for them. But with Wentz, it gives them that ability to open up the playbook a little bit more. And I think that's, it may be a little bit of an understated part of it. It's not just the deep ball.
2: Right. No, I agree with you completely. And you can't overlook the experience too. Um, right. he has played in big games. I, he he is a big reason the Eagles won that Super Bowl. He wasn't in the Super Bowl and he didn't close out the season, but he led them on an 11 2 run and was a Pro Bowl selection and second team all pro that year. Like he is a a primary reason they they went as far as they did. Um, so I I don't think you can overlook that that fact. Now, is he the same player that he was? Then after suffering the injury, that's that's a fair right. question. That's and I guess that's something that is still unanswered in my view.
1: And I agree with you because I think there are times where he is definitely a hero ball guy. He's going to extend mm-hmm. the play because I mean, we anybody who's watched this team, and you weren't covering the beat on the beat yet, but he had a couple of plays against this team that were like, how did that happen? How did he get out of that? I don't right. know if he's making those plays anymore, but he in your mindset is still that – hey, I just did this a year ago or two years ago. So you, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that teams look at him. But it's not – hes any quarterback who's mobile has that hero ball mentality. Um, but you, what did you think of – because we also heard from Frank Reich. You
2: mm-hmm. know, can
1: still be a top-ten quarterback. And, uh, you know, the, the phrase can be is is key. And then Jim Ursay talked and kind of dunked yeah. on him a little bit.
2: I know, and I, I think it becomes very clear then who was the – you know, that, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and why he's no longer an indie. Not, not to say, not to say that Frank Reich and, and, you know, Chris Ballard didn't also want to move on, but, you know, just publicly they've, they've tempered their statements. So as not to bash the kid. Um, but I mean, Frank Reich has been with him in, in Philly for his first few seasons, then he was with him in Indy. Um, but I keep going back to the fact that if it didn't work with him, who's, it, how is it going to work here? That's a big question, but yeah, he did speak very glowingly about who he is as, you know, a locker room leader, a good rapport with players, thinks he can be a, a top 10 quarterback. Um, of course, Ron believes he already is a top 10 quarterback. That's a different story for a different day. Um, but and Chris Ballard has, has talked highly of him too. But a lot of that stuff, I keep coming back to the fact of, you, you know, you, you paint this glowing picture of a guy. Well, then why did you get rid of him? And I think that's where Jim Ursay came in. And, you know, was, like you said, it's very clear he was the driving force, but it, it wasn't all roses over there um, with him. And, and you know, and it'd, I, it'd be interesting yeah. to hear a more balanced account.
1: Well, and I agree. And I think for Ursay, there was a lot about that last game against Jacksonville. And he did that even people here will say they, you know, like, yeah, he didn't play well in that game. When you watch the game, receivers weren't getting open in that game and the line didn't do a good job either. It wasn't just a quarterback right. breakdown, right. but I do think that there was a lot on that. and there, I think if, you know, if it was just about one game, I don't think they're trading him. For, I mean, you would think that it wouldn't just be about one game because that's a tough way to go, but that certainly seemed to play into Ursa's emotions about about the situation And, you know, I did have one member of the culture organization unprompted came up to me. He's like, he just kind of praised Carson Wentz about how he was in the locker room and, and, you know, just as a person. So, and the other thing, Nikki, too, is it's funny because there's a lot of talk about that with him and there's all sorts of stuff out there. But I think we've both heard of other quarterbacks who are successful, who are not always popular with all their teammates. Right.
2: Right. No, totally. Um, And and that's where I feel like we're not getting the full picture um and maybe there were other things going on that led to his exit both in philly and in indy but yeah i i it's hard to say i i just keep coming back to the fact of you know this is two similar instances where he's been dealt um and in indy he got a, a shorter span they they traded for him i mean philly did too moving up in the draft but Both teams essentially traded for him and then traded him away. So, you know, it's it's hard to overcome that. But Ron is has a strong conviction that Justin talking to Frank Reich and Martin talking to Chris Ballard and whoever else they talk to, they feel that Peterson. Yeah, they overcome any of that, and they don't seem concerned at all about it. Um, Given the state of this franchise, I think there is reason to be concerned but mainly because there's unanswered questions um how this is gonna work
1: and and i think the last part on this for me is and someone else pointed this out before to me a week or so ago in indy the lineage that he's following is peyton manning andrew luck and then philip rivers for a year
2: right
1: here i mean it's not that so god bless taylor heineke in his story you know garrett garrett gilbert was in there and Alex Smith, terrific leader, but while he had all the leadership skills, his play on the field was not always there. So right. like that's what he's following here. So the measuring stick for him is going to be, the bar is going to be a little bit lower. But I also think like for this staff, they feel like they have a guy that they can create a, maybe more of a game or um, expand their game plan, expand right. what they want to do. And so let will see. the other thing that Ron talked about is the easy target label on this franchise. And he was talking about from the football side, and the way it affects them. I think he made it clear. And we'll make it clear that he wasn't talking about like, he wasn't minimizing the other stuff, but I think like there is, I think for him and it came up about because would players want to come here? And it was under that kind of theme. And um I think, because a lot of the attention has been on the off the field activities and the issues in Congress and all that, which is separate from them for on the field. What did you think? What did you make of all that?
2: Yeah. And I, I, I get where he's coming from on that, but you know, you come into the situation, you want to fix it and move on and try to make things better. The reality is the fans of this team over the last 20 something years have been through a lot. And I think at some point you've got to acknowledge that, accept that, but also try to move on. I I think there's room for both here. Um, But his, his point, I get, you know, it's very, they always have like their reputation hanging over them. And a lot of the folks that help build this reputation aren't, aren't there anymore on the business side and certainly not on the, on the football side. Um, But the reality is this, they've had two losing seasons under this regime. They have three pending investigations and had a fourth end last year. They've had, so it's, you can't deny that. Um, And while I'm sure it's frustrating to kind of build a better football product, while a lot of these pertain to, Although the one with the DEA does not, um, a lot of these pertain to you know past operations. That's that's the job he took on, and he knew this would be a challenge. I don't think he you know expected some of these major ones that came well, up
1: hey, after when he, when he took the job. <laughs> yeah. Not a, one of these things is, was there when the yeah here when he took the job on was a couple of decades of not enough not success right. right. Everything right. else has happened there, and I think it's like. I think for him it's like every time there's a you start to feel like you move forward and then you take a step back or you you get pummeled right like you know okay. he even he told me once like, he told his wife um that like right around the time the name changed like said they, they announced it's it gonna be on february 2nd he told stephanie you watch something's gonna come out like the next day or whatever and then yes. the next day was around table session hearing so Again, that's I'm not even saying any of that's right or wrong or or it's not yeah. de, not deserving of it. I just think from him from a football standpoint, you know, you they obviously want to move past that. Who who doesn't? Yeah. I think, you know, I think the right. fan base would like to move past that. The problem is there some things that are still have to be dealt with. So that's still what's right. going to happen. Is and and for him it's like is winning and and again, nobody wants to minimize any of the stuff that's going on i mean i you know i certainly i don't i know you don't um but you know for him it's like winning is the cure how much from a football side perception how much winning do they need to do to move past certain reputations or i i
2: you know i i know you mentioned a couple seasons others have you know kind of made their predictions i think it's going to take longer than that and the problem there of course is will this regime be afforded the patience even just to do that now if you win there you're going to be retained longer but you know there's still going to be some bumps in the road and you know even after a, a couple winning seasons if you produce that I mean we're talking 20 plus years this is a marquee franchise this was you know a multiple Super Bowl winner I mean there's a loyal fan base like it has been eroded quite a bit over the last two decades so it's going to take some time to build that back up and I, I think it will take longer than, a couple winning seasons, I, I think you start to build up hope after that right, point. Right. But I, I think a lot of people have been disappointed when they they right. have hope. So yeah, right. so you it requires more consistency. You're trying to dig yourself out of a pretty deep hole.
1: Yeah, and and I would agree with that. And I think there's when you talk to people on the business side, you hear the word they need. They know they need to re- rebuild trust with the public, with the paying exactly. public, from a football side everything, the hope and all that, it does comes in the wins and losses. Like that's how you measure a franchise, right? And it's how they won Super Bowls; they were a great franchise. And I, you know, I agree. I think it's going to take, and I think they understand it's one year of a 10 win season. It's like, okay, that's great. Or it's better, but what are you going to do next year? You've got to follow that up. And the way you create that success is by winning multiple years like that. Look at Buffalo a few years ago. What's the perception of Buffalo? Well, what is it now? Cincinnati two years ago at this time last year what's the perception of them what is it now because right. now like oh my god Joe burrow and like now they're winning and so right. you can do that but it does take a not just eight, nine nine and eight ten and seven ten and seven playoff win you know right. or 10 and seven get in there exciting game and like if they had built off the heineke game <laughs> the Tampa game um and you come back this year and you win 10 games people are looking and listen I you know at one point you wonder they might get to nine wins because they had they were playing better but if you Mm -hmm. go out you know you've got to follow that up if you get some momentum at the end of the year you've got to follow it up to re-energize this fan base that's and it's got to you know make a playoff run because it's since 2005 Nikki no playoff wins I mean that's that's brutal and this is a very proud fan base and you know you hear from people like they want to wear their commander's gear still sounds funny or odd but they want to wear just the name but they want to wear the commander's gear with some pride and the only way they can do that is if give me something to be proud about
2: right right no exactly
1: so that but i do i think i think that they understand that because i've had conversations with people over there i'm sure you have too that you are paying for the sin you know the football sins of the past right you you are paying like when you come here you you just got here, but like you said, the fan base has been here. So while you may say, "Why is everybody so impatient?" the fan base can say, "Because of the last twenty years—that's right. why." So right. I, you know, and I think there's an understanding of that because it has been more like, "Hey, we got to win." That's what those right? right. So do you think there's more of a recognition of that?
2: I think so because I, I think they understand the urgency. I mean, year three is a big year, yes. um, and if they don't win this year, then I, I would imagine pretty much everybody is on the hot seat at that point. Um, and there will be, have to be some pretty significant changes. I, I also think it's it's more nuanced than that. It's, yes, it's the record. It's the simple wins and losses. But it's also, you know, you, you look at what they accomplished in year one. They seemed a very gritty team. Um, right. You know, they, they produced one of the top defenses, the way they rallied late in the season, I think, was really remarkable. Um, and to come out the way they did at the start of the second season was really disappointing. Um, Correct. You know, the, the defense statistically fell off. Now you could argue that it's not—it's not all about sacks, and we get that. But they were horrible. Yeah, I mean, that line was zero communication. It felt like at times the secondary was all over the place it's how do, how do you have that significant drop off you're supposed to build up oh boy there got my dogs and your dogs are getting right up about that too Wait, they're ticked off they place it's unbelievable you know you
1: know, i can translate I for people listening to your dogs what he what the dogs are saying is they shouldn't ride on four-man pressure help young and sweat out by creating that pressure that you did after the fact right, right. that's what they said i know it right. i speak dog
2: i I had no idea. You're just you're multilingual. But I mean, that, that was the biggest disappointment, at least for me, just as a viewer. Right. Yes. Like it, you're going to have some struggles in year two. That's expected. You're still early in the rebuild. But to have that massive drop off and that's supposed to be your strongest part.
1: That's a good point. That's
2: yeah. that's disappointing. And that that's where, you know, you talk about hope and getting burned and, you know, it's going to take time for people to really believe that it's going to turn a corner this time,
1: you know? Well, and I think that's a great point about the hope because it's another, because it's, you know, you go back many years and there's always like, oh my gosh, you're bringing in this free agent class. There's the hope though. You're bringing in Joe Gibbs. There's the hope you're bringing in Mike Shanahan. You know, you get McNabb, you get Griffin, you get all these things and that hope doesn't last long enough. And this time the hope was, this is a top 10, top five defense. Right. And, oh right. my God, Chase Young's going to redo this for the position. And and I still think, like, I still solidly believe this defense can be really good.
2: Oh, and they absolutely. Had a really yeah, to in- not be. In-
1: right. And I think Chase Young can still be very, very good. But that was the bubble burst at the end of the If they had, if they had lost those games, the defense is shutting them down and the offense isn't moving. It's like, well, it's what, it's kind of what you expected in a little bit, right. but so, I yeah. Mean, I,
2: yeah. I, you know, people bring up the Russell Wilson thing a lot, you know, well, why he didn't want to? Maybe he didn't want to come to Washington. He turned that down, and he chose Denver. You could compare the rosters, whatever. They had losing seasons. The, season. the proximity
1: to LA and his wife. Want you know? Right. So there's all There could be all sorts of reasons. We don't know. Right. We don't
2: know. But you know the the fan base there. I mean, they have a sell. They had a sellout streak um, before the pandemic that was. Years it was the longest home sellout streak in the NFL. They have a like thirty-year something wait list for season tickets. They they had losing seasons, but they had what five six losing seasons since Peyton Manning. So restoring that hope when another great quarterback comes in is not. I'm as <laughs> kind of speculating here, but I would imagine it's not that hard, not as hard as Washington, because it wasn't that long ago that they had. super bowl champion where they were in super bowl two super bowls in the span of three years you know they've won with john elway they've won with peyton manning they can win with russell wilson perhaps they have um they've done a lot and they've become more of a consistent winner in the past few decades whereas washington they haven't had that in years and they they've had opportunities where it's you know, maybe now, nope. Maybe now, nope. So it's going to take longer for them to right. really be convinced that it's going to change this time. So and I think,
1: like you see that with some players who Von Miller is not going to Buffalo a couple of years ago.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's
1: that's, that's it. Yeah. And so like i say the quarterback makes all that difference. It
2: the really does.
1: Really. The Bills have a very good organization. I, you know, yeah. Beam, McDermott, all that. But the quarterback makes the difference. Yeah. And that's right. where. The, And see your dog agrees.
2: agrees. Joey knows. So so
1: you you get that. And that's that's a definite byproduct. And that's why I think like with Wentz, if he can become we don't can't, it's hard to call him, as you said, maybe he's a bridge, maybe he's not, but he's getting him a bridge to somewhere. It may just be to get him to that 10-11 win mark, like Kansas City did with Alex Smith. And then you go, then you're really aggressive going after your version of Mahomes or whomever, right? If in a couple of years, you feel like he's not getting us beyond, like if, they're think, if they are thinking, he's not getting us beyond this point. Now we have to go do something else. But if you can get that 10 and 11 win range, it, it gives you that, it starts to turn your reputation around.
0: Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form, and it's at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at bluechew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strength for your personal subscription. Plus, their tablets are made in the United States, they prepare, they ship direct, and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code. Keim, K E I M at checkout. Just pay five dollar shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code Keim, KEIM to receive your first month free, and we thank Blue Chew for being a sponsor of our show.
1: Part right. of that reputation involves Chase Young. I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting that Rivera talked about how he had talked to Chase and that he would be at the OT that he would be at the offseason work. What did you right. make of all that?
2: I mean, I thought that was really interesting and ron won't go too far publicly because they're voluntary and you can't make players go to these things but he's made he's it voluntary. pretty clear right he's made it very clear that he wants guys there because it's, it's not just about you know showing up and lifting weights with your you know and, and just being there like you know chase and montez what they weren't getting training it wasn't like they're just right. skipping out that's not how it works it's right. it's more of being a leader being around your teammates, building that chemistry early. Um, so you can really get to work, you know, when camp opens on the football axis and those part. Um, and that's what he's been stressing to chase. So I, you know, it's very clear. It's important for in Ron's mind for everybody to be there. So, um, you know, it, it, from his, from what he said, it sounds like chase is planning to be there now in what capacity He's actually able to participate in these things. That's a different story. He's he's coming off the ACL injury. He's been spending a lot of time recovering in Colorado, um, and we'll see where he's at in his his rehab, where he's at health wise. But he's expecting him to be there and be around his teammates.
1: He also called so, the. That's what, <laughs> like I, I mean, see, we're talking about de- defense and quarterbacks. Your dogs I get excited, defense and quarterbacks. But oh. with Chase, because Ron did call it a an awakening 2021 was an awakening for him and that's where i'll be curious to see how he responds to that because the talent is still immense i mean it was more maybe the approach from a pass rusher standpoint or from i think what they would it seems like what they also want from him is one to be around the guys but also when you're installing defense and then what are you working on what right. you know because there were some things that chase worked on as far as pass rush moves that i'm pretty sure they would prefer he had stayed taking a different approach or tactic with right, it. Right. So I wonder if that's not part of it too, but I think it's a good sign that those two seem to have a pretty good dialogue um, going with each other. It seems, don't you, do you think, or or no?
2: I mean, it seems like it at this point. We, you know, we haven't heard a ton from chase. I think we've talked to him once, maybe since uh, you know, his injury right before, yeah, and the Super Bowl, yeah. Think. So it, it seems like it. You you hope so. Martin Mayhew said he's been in contact too with Chase and
1: Chase is sending I, Ron, Chase is sending Ron Rivera videos of his workouts.
2: Yeah, so. yeah, and I, I think that's paramount. I think the relationship between Ron and Chase is so important to like the growth of this team because that's Ron is the primary leader and Chase is the number two leader. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at it on paper um so you need them to be in sync and whenever you feel like they're not in sync that's that's when I, I felt like this could be a problem you know when when there was yeah. any perceived discord over the offseason workouts you're like this this may not go well because you know those those are your two leaders of the team right. um
1: and, I, and it also matters Nikki too as you know if a guy produces during the season it's like well we'd like him here but dude had 16 sacks I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But when you right. only get the one and a half, now the injury certainly <laughs> disrupted that. And he only played half the year because of the injury. Right. But in that half year, he was not as productive as he was in the second half of his rookie year. But I mean, he mm-hmm. was fantastic at that stretch. So mm-hmm. I think that's where it's like it's always, you know, if you didn't produce the way people had hoped, was this part of it? Well, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. we'll find out. But but the good, I think the I think the thing for them that they like is that is the way Ch- they feel chase has responded to it.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it's, I think it's something that a lot of top players have gone through and some of them need to go through. Like I, I go back to Von Miller mainly because I was around him a lot, but he's an exceptional pass rusher, obviously um, came in, immediately had an impact, put up monster numbers his rookie season. But had to go through some stuff off the field to really kind of change who he was as a person over the years. You know, suspended for um, trying to get out of a drug test, and dealt with a season-ending injury too. And you know, by you know four years later, he's a, a captain, and you know is reinstated out of the drug program. Really does what he needs to do to get that side of things in order to really become the face of the franchise. And you know, Chase hasn't gotten into trouble or anything but I think sometimes you just need to be humbled a little bit and and realize for some I don't know if this is the case for Chase you know know what you don't know and what you need to work on because it's not the same as college um you know everybody they say this and it's cliche but it's true it's like you know the greatest player in college is pretty much everybody in the NFL you know so it's gonna be challenging there's gonna be hard parts but you gotta learn to overcome that so i I think having this early in his career you hope will kind of set him up um
1: just for continued growth and and i i never mind if a guy struggles early on and just you don't take it because me for me it's always how do you respond to situation x if you have success How do you respond? Do you build on that? Do you coast? How do you respond? You get a big contract. How do you respond? You have a bad year. How do you respond? You have it. you know, it's on down the line. So this game is all about how do you respond to whatever situation you encounter? Because if you don't respond in a certain way, it's going to knock you back again. And so knowing enough about Chase, I think that he seems like a guy who definitely cares about having success and it's not everybody does. I mean, Mm -hmm. not to, to a certain level. And so that's why I think we'll see. And then, you know, um, going staying on the defense, the and, uh, just a few more minutes here because we're taping this again and this is a lot of time, <laughs> so I appreciate it. Um, Cole, Cole Holcomb, the one thing consistently through the offseason that I know I've heard, and I'm sure you have heard, is they want and and they've been public about it too. It's not, but it's been public and private that they're right. saying the same thing middle linebacker, middle linebacker, right. And like, right. and I know there was a desire, I know there was always a part like. Well, you know, Cole could do it, and he did all right. Well, now oh. the message from Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera was, "Hey, you know, Cole looks better than we thought." I mean, right. you, do you? How real do you think that is? And, and what you know? What did you take away from that? Because part of me wonders. Well, maybe they don't know if they can get their guy, and now you right. got to make sure that you've got it. You know, that you're not abandoning right. the guy who may have to play it.
2: Right. You know, I, I think. I think part of this is kind of respitting the narrative more than anything it's like at, at the end of the season Ron flat out said you know when they had David Mayo a true Mike linebacker come in late in the year it, it made no. others around him better it made Cole Holcomb better from the outside and Cole at the time said he would like to be considered as more of a that full-time Mike player right. um but Ron seemed to indicate that that's not how they viewed him that's not where they Viewed him as you know, that, that's no the best. Ron Rivera, a
1: former linebacker, Ron, correct?
2: Rivera. Right, whose defensive coordinator is also a linebacker, whose linebackers coach won two rings as a linebacker, anyway. But you know, they that's not how they viewed him, and that's not what they said publicly. And then all of a sudden, they come to the owners' meetings, and they picked a great time. They come to the owners' meetings, and <laughs> And now all of a sudden they view Cole Holcomb as an option. Oh, we went back and watched the tape. I don't fully believe that, as if you weren't watching the tape in season. Um, but, you know, at, at this point on the roster, who else do they have? It's him and Mayo. Jamin Davis, who they drafted in the first round last year, they view him now as better suited to play outside, not to be that Mike guy. So, um, you know, there's there are some options in free agency, but they're – Pricey and it doesn't look like they're headed that way. um The draft is very no, good for this no, year, but no. sorry, Joey, <laughs> pipe down. We'll,
1: see, we'll um, stop talking about defense in a minute. No, he's
2: getting zone. them riled up about linebackers. Somebody's got to bark but, out the
1: signals, Nikki.
2: Jeez, oh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of it is is kind of reshaping the narrative, but they also are coming to the reality that you know, it, Cole actually might be an option because they don't have much else
1: at this point. And he did actually get better in the middle. You know, you could see the times where he was not hesitating quite as much in some instances as he was early, but everything you always hear, he's a more natural outside linebacker. So I still am going to buy that because that's what I've heard consistently. Um, But I also think Nikki points to the position they really, really, really want to fill, maybe even more than middle linebacker, is that Buffalo nickel. Right, and that, right. because they were using that, it was more than 50% of the time, that was mm-hmm. their, that essentially was their primary look. And they felt that when the defense, the defense took a big hit when Landon Collins got hurt at the end of the year.
2: Right. And, and now so I, Landon Collins is is gone. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest position. And that's the one we've heard the least about from this. Right. But I think that's so a far. legit,
1: that's a legit thing. And, and by the way, Landon is still unsigned just saying
2: Hmm. hmm. <laughs> <You can return.
1: laughs> well no and, you know listen that yeah. this is a and that's a spot where there are guys in the draft who can fill that role and right. um you know and and then and if you don't get that guy in the draft then what do you do after the draft because that is a spot they absolutely want to fill and there are a few ways they can go with that and you could draft somebody you can move cam curl to that role because he's a very smart player um but that's where i say I, I only bring up that position because that is the one that you may hear is one that they really, really want to fill. And whereas linebacker, like, well, if they, if you can't find the guy, then you do have Cole who can play there, but you still need to add depth at linebacker. I don't care, whatever they do, they've got to add more linebackers. They don't have any depth. And that's, that's a thing that is very evident to me. Um and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But that's why I say that Buffalo nickel one is still also one to watch as well, whatever yeah. direction they go. Yeah. But again, Kyle Hamilton could play that, could could play in there, too. And if he falls to 11 and he would be an attractive guy for that. But the other thing is Roger Goodell goes and you asked him the question um, about Dan Snyder and the day to day operations, et cetera. What in the and I mean, there's a pretty the impact, the meaty part of the quote was pretty small. It was just they don't see him being in that role for the foreseeable future. What did you take away from from that?
2: Yeah, I mean, that some of it requires clarification. I, I asked Goodell, you know, what is Dan's status with the team? Because when the Wilkinson when they announced the Wilkinson findings that they said that Dan would step back from day to day operations for the next several months. They right. didn't put a concrete timeline on it. They just said Tanya would take over the day-to-day and Dan would focus more on stadium and other matters. Well, you know, it's been several months. So what's what's up now, um, especially with more investigations ongoing. Um, and yeah, he, he said he doesn't believe Dan has been in the facilities. And first off, that was never publicly stipulated um, when they, right. they announced all this. But and he, he has been around in, in certain sports. He does he does go to games. Um, and he was at the team's um, rebranding announcement at FedEx Field. Um, but at the end of Goodell's comment, he said, you know, I don't, Tanya has been here representing the team at league activities. And I don't foresee that. I don't think that's going to change for at least the foreseeable future. And at that point, Dan and I would talk about it, which mm-hmm. two things there that, he's he's still not a part of the day-to-day not supposed to be part of the day-to-day operations and his return would have to include a conversation with the commissioner first which to me implies that it's not solely his decision of when he could resume full control of the franchise if he wanted to
1: so if this was like an injury report it'd be snyder comma investigation comma return questionable Correct. Yes. And, 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 but, you know, not to make light of this, but, you know, and the one thing going back to the original thing, and at the time they were very strong in saying, this is not a suspension. This is a, but it's certainly, certainly there was an alteration of roles because Tanya Snyder has represented them at league functions. And I think when they talk about league functions, it's league meetings like the one we just attended, Mm -hmm. you know, and, They didn't say he couldn't go to certain things. He just wasn't going to be involved in daily operations. Is a game a day-to-day operation? Well, I think it's a weekly thing. I don't know. You know, They clearly don't view it that way because he was going to games. And if you're going to have the announcer for the thing, I don't know that that qualifies as being involved in daily operations. I don't know how they view it because we even saw – after that, it was Tanya Snyder who was addressing employees on the field later in that day, right. if you remember. And right, her and Tanya around. was at
2: Carson Carson Wentz's introductory presser. It was just Tanya. Dan wasn't right. there. But Rana said he, he talks to both Snyders about yeah. long-term yeah. deals. Again, the league did not publicly specify. It we just said the stadium doing. and other matters. Right. It was so, perceived right. to be like longer-term, bigger projects, but it wasn't specified.
1: Right. And I do think he's been at the facility once or twice, mm-hmm. um, you know, but not, I think maybe just to go watch practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was here when Norv was here one time. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I, but I don't, but it's, it has not been a constant presence that's for sure. So, um, and where this goes, I don't know. And, and it doesn't seem like anything was going to move beyond getting him out of there, I think. But the other thing is, and this is my fault for not asking this question. And I talked to you about this with you later, that and I tried to ask a question at the end, but I got my hand up too late a couple of times. Um, but I wish I had asked that because again, several months. But did was the other the Tiffany Johnson rebel allegations? Did that almost say okay, we're going to keep extending this until that is wrapped up? Did that extend it? Was there something that that kind of precipitated a longer um, right? change in his in his the way he conducts his business right. with the franchise. I don't know. And we don't know the timeline of the current investigation. Usually mm-hmm. they would just say it's ongoing. We don't know if it's although even last year in April or no in the Super Bowl, he started saying it was close to the end. And it was July when it was announced. So who knows? But that's still so I always wonder about that. Um and then um but I wish I had asked that question. You know, cause you had the big one and I wish we had asked that that. I wish I had asked that one, but unfortunately I didn't think about that. Direct one.
2: Way to go, uh, I mean, it was, yeah,
1: not daily Johnny on that one, but not, <laughs> not, I wasn't, I wasn't very happy about that, but the other part, last thing on this last thing for this, and I appreciate as always your time. Yes. I owe you um, the locker room going to be open that drew. You're not supposed to cheer in a press box, but there was cheering in that meeting when yep. Brian McCarthy league spokesman said. The locker rooms will be open this year. How yeah. I don't think I don't think people always quite understand why that's a big deal for us. Why? Right. Why? You know. Let's tell them. Tell, you tell me.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's a weird setting. I, I don't think any yeah. of us really want to be in that setting when guys are getting dressed. Right. But this is where players are more themselves. Or they're comfortable. This is where you know, you can get them as more human beings, you can start to build those relationships, you know, when you're, when it's just podiums or zooms, think of it from a player's perspective, you're staring out to like, you know, a dozen cameras and, you know, 20 something reporters at a time, you know, you're going to be very calculated, you're going to hold some, and we're not like, digging for dirt it's just it's hard to get to know them as people as well as football players um but when it's more of a casual conversation and unfortunately that's one of the few settings where you can have those um given the access level in the nfl that's they're important um you know they're when you only have those podiums it's hard for them to really know you know who who are these people? What are they trying to get? What is it, what is their agenda? I and mean, what do they learn about me? And I, you know, I, I it's understandable how those walls can build up between players and media. So this is this is an important time just for getting to know players and for players to getting to know us as media, as people. Um, and, and I that's think that's great. very important for storytelling and being able to accurately portray what's going on with the team, what's going on with the players to tell both, you know, a lot of the good things too, of, of right, right, what right. they're doing and, you know, People what's going on. Yeah. No, no. I mean, you, you learn yeah. about some of the stuff they're doing off the field that you don't really Correct. get a chance to ask about in these pressers, you know, Right,
1: there's a lot um, that you get to learn about them. Yeah, like there yeah. were a couple like there, are, you know, plus again, I think you brought up too, and it, it's important for us to get to know them, but they need to get to know us and what, what is this guy's approach? Like, And I go back to the Bobby McCain little mini rant after the Atlanta game, like, hey, whatever. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but like bring that same energy when we start playing well. And he's getting really upset. And I remember my first thought was, if we had been in the locker room, we'd be talking to Bobby throughout this. He would be able to explain certain things to us about this is what we're going through, you know, or. Or maybe we can ask them some questions like, okay, I get where Nikki or John or Ben are coming from with that question. Cause I've gotten to know them. A little bit. And some, it's not always going to be the case. It's not going to diffuse everything, but it does give you a deeper level of understanding of what we're, right. what we're looking for. It's like, Hey, we're not trying to dig up dirt. You're just trying to sometimes explain, listen, people listening want to know what happened, what happened? What does right. a locker room think? Well, you can't, t- we can't tell you unless you're in there. That's one, but it is like, it is important. And, what they see, like if people, you know, people are going to watch and see these clips of interviews where there's 10 people around a guy and all that. Well, that's a snippet from the locker room. Those locker room sessions are 45 minutes. And during that time, there are a lot of down, there's a lot of downtime. Like when Chris Thompson was here, we got to know him really well because you just had talks at his locker. You know, you can talk to like, you can talk to Terry McLaurin about, Hey, you know, I can talk about Ohio State football, right? But it, it develops that. And, you know, Capri Bibbs, when he was here, you could talk to him like, wow, you lived with how many people? You know, he lived with, he grew up in a house with 22 kids and he's bouncing around and he made it to the NFL. That becomes a story. You know, Adrian right. Peterson sitting there eating a honey bun during an interview. We can talk to him about junk food afterwards. Like here's one of the greatest running backs of all time, but you get to know him on a different level and right. it's just casual fun conversations and they get to become comfortable with you. And there's, right. you know, like you, John Bostick. um, I remember talking to him about a couple of years ago. I'm like, you know, you talk to him, you stop talking. He's like, you're, you, you're really smart. You want to go into coaching. he's like, and he starts talking about real estate. And mm-hmm. so I think and Walker turned that into a story last year about his, or something like with his real mm-hmm. estate holdings. But that's a good story that you learn from being in the locker room. Right. You wouldn't get that yeah. otherwise. And so I, there's I, a I, lot of things that you get from that.
2: Right. Right, it's all about trust building, and it works right. both ways. And it's very hard right. to do that when you got a screen in the middle, or you you have to do it with a couple questions at a podium in front of everybody. You know, it's it's it's.
1: It's not ideal. Then,
2: just, then everybody just becomes an object to another person, and that, that's not how it should just, be. You know, we're just
1: to face the crowd, and if we, like, yeah. I would want, and plus, like, if you're gonna. If you end up writing a certain story about a guy, you also want to go in there and face them. If they want to exactly. say something to you, yeah. to just like, "Hey, that's not what happened," or "Hey, you had this wrong," or whatever,
2: you exactly. go into a room and
1: they're just you're just part of a room, and it's 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 it just it's you know you want to be you know you want to you know, if we do something you're held accountable right. And and right. I would get and I go back to like, you're right, like nobody truly wants to be in there when guys are dressing. You just that's no, not the thing. Yeah. You know, and there's unfortunately they haven't figured out another way to have an open situation where guys are around because if you say, well, just do it at this time, you know, yeah. or go have a separate room. Well, guys don't go into that room. And so then right. it's, you know, and not everybody likes us in there. We know that. You know, right. some guys don't want us in there
2: at all. You don't I like know. being in there with them.
1: So it's but like, I it's like awesome. the, but I like getting to know yeah. them and I like them getting to know right. us. That's what I like. And then because there are a lot of guys that I there are that I stay in contact with, just you know, I'm sure any reporter who you mm-hmm. got to know from there and like and they leave and like you know, you still stay in touch and you want to you want them to know like you don't want to use guys, right? You want them to know, like, you build a relationship and you want that to continue as much as it can. And so that's where it happens. And yes, sometimes it's going to lead to um, a story that fans might not like or might not look good for certain things. By and large, though, it's it's not about that. It's about the trust and it's about, again, any relationship you have, it takes work. You can't just do that. In our jobs, you need to have that. You just, you right, just, it's
2: yeah. especially important, building those right. relationships, and I thought it was a good point that you brought up, too, is, you know, from a player's perspective, if you feel like you were portrayed unfairly or inaccurately, if we only have those podiums, not every player comes up every week, and to only have them once a week, right. it, it happens the day after, you don't get a chance to say anything outside of, you know, Twitter or social media to counter that. And and that's, that's not fair to them either. You know, like I, both sides need to, need to be held accountable. And I, I, that's important.
1: Yeah. And and it's, and last thing on this for me, like, it's usually in those locker rooms, it's not a content. I think people think like there's this warring factions of media and players media. It's usually not like that. I mean, it's, the experience for me has been very, very good. And there's going to be some guys Mm -hmm. who don't like you don't want you in there and they'll let you know it. All right. By and large, it's been it's always it's usually a good experience as far as getting to know guys and the value of those sessions. Um, right. And again, like, you know, um, you they can pull you aside and say you are wrong here. And right. I'm OK to hear that. I, you know, believe it or not, despite my the reputation I have, I am not perfect. Nikki. I'm not I'm going to I'm going to admit this right here on this podcast for the first time. And I can tell listen I'm your dogs are even are are shocked they're not even speaking now so Oh my god I didn't mean
2: to throw Why? you You little- say this for the very end of the I, pod like come on you know,
1: I want them to listen to the end but now they have a reason to wait to the end wow. but then I'm going to admit that right here so but you know like I I've, I've told coaches before like a coach will say like you had it wrong with this like that's then tell me I'm okay right. with that. Tell me, yeah. I want to, my job is not to be arrogant. It's to be right and accurate. Exactly. So yeah. so if you're, right. if you're telling me that we didn't do this, this is not what happened. Like, all right, then later in the week, I'll make sure that I write it the right way. And right. that's all I, that's all I, and I, you're the same way, which is why right. I like hanging around you because you're the same way that you just want to be honest and accurate. And, right. and that, that's it. Okay. So anyway, that's our little reporter sermon for the day. So <laughs> there you go. Nikki. <laughs> You're, I told you, your aces.
2: Thanks, man. Thanks. I'm glad Joey and Lou got to come in. I want your son
1: as old as possible. When I, <laughs> you know, it's either peach, you're, you're peach or you're aces. One of those two. So there you go. Thanks,
2: man. thanks, <laughs> thanks man.
1: Nikki. You're awesome. Thanks. That's it for this episode. I'll be back with another episode on Friday talking to head coach Ron Rivera as we dig deeper into some of what we discussed today. Some really good insight on Carson Wentz, the possible timeline for a Terry McLaurin extension. We'll talk to you next time.